It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Tuesday, the 9th of August. I'm Emily Ferrier. And I'm Sonal Patel. An FBI raid of Donald Trump's estate in Florida... Well, what an extraordinary piece of political theatre. And the UN warns Ukraine and Russia any fighting near the nuclear plant would be suicidal. What they are not designed to do is um, to have people fight around them. Times of London Daily World Briefing. We start in the United States, where the FBI is searching Donald Trump's estate in Palm Beach, Florida. The former president made the announcement saying his beautiful home is under siege, having been raided. The Justice Department's been investigating the discovery of boxes of records containing classified information that were taken to Mr. Trump's home in Palm Beach after the presidency had ended. It's not clear whether the FBI search is connected to that investigation. Sarah Baxter, the U.S. commentator and former deputy editor to the Sunday Times, explained what we know so far about the FBI executing this search warrant. We don't exactly know what's in those documents, but and many of them were returned by Donald Trump a year after he left the presidency, once his uh, unauthorized removal was drawn to his attention. But it is an extraordinary raid. Baxter says Republicans are blaming the raid on President Joe Biden, a claim that the White House denies, saying that the Justice Department and FBI are totally independent. Baxter also points out the hypocrisy of Republicans calling the siege a witch hunt. We're in an Alice through the looking glass world where the fact that um, Hillary Clinton may have inadvertently stored some things on a private server justified being locked up, um, but a potential offence with regard to the Presidential Records Act is uh, somehow a witch hunt and just politically motivated. The warrant was reportedly related to allegations that Trump unlawfully took classified White House documents to Mar-a-Lago after he left office last year. That investigation is one of several that the former president faces into his time in office, as well as his private business, as he lays ground for another run for the White House. The latest on the war in Ukraine now, where both Moscow and Kyiv are accusing the other of shelling Europe's biggest nuclear power plant. But there's a stark warning from the United Nations, if one was needed, that any fighting there would be suicidal. The area around the plant is under Russian control and it's believed three radiation sensors and power links have already been damaged by shelling back in March. The UN now wants international inspectors to be given access to the facility in Zaporizhia after it was shelled at the weekend. 
The plant, which was built in the Soviet era, is the largest nuclear reactor in Europe. President Volodymyr Zelensky has accused the Russians of nuclear terror. Hamish de Breton-Gordon is a former commander for UK Chemical, Biological, Radiology and Nuclear Forces. He told Times Radio we should be worried. Although I've you know, heard many civilian nuclear experts today saying how the plant is designed to cope with natural disasters and disasters like perhaps a, a plane crashing into them, what they are not designed to do is um, to have people fight around them. We know that there are 500 Russian troops garrisoned in the power station and missiles have been fired from there. Meanwhile, the first ship carrying grain from Ukraine has docked in Turkey, with two more vessels on their way. It's after a deal was struck with Russia to unblock Ukrainian sea exports and ease an international food crisis. The ship's captain spoke to reporters at the dock in Istanbul about the journey through minefields. As a three-ship convoy escorted by another boat and a maritime pilot, we sailed northeast to Odessa, navigating through narrow corridors and short legs. We had a short standby period there when the ships met at one place. Then we started sailing to south, escorted by the boat and maritime pilot, until we exited the dangerous waters. The ship carrying 12,000 tonnes of corn had been stranded at a southern Ukrainian port since February, and finally left for Turkey on Friday. On the way, the passing of a great talent and a message in a bottle from 85 years ago. Times of London Daily World Briefing. We head now to Kentucky. The weather may be out our control for now, but it's not beyond our control. The area has been hit by catastrophic flooding, killing dozens, while thousands have been forced away from their homes. This is the first visit by the president since he was officially cleared of COVID and one where he pledged federal support for those affected. We're staying, the federal government, along with the state and county and the city, we're staying until everybody's back to where they were. Not a joke. We're going to come back better than before. And I really mean it. That's the, that's the objective I have. Not come back to what we were before, come back to better than we were before. And I mean this, Governor, you know I mean it. And I'm confident with your leadership we can do it. The White House says the extreme weather events in the U.S. are a reminder of the intensifying impacts of climate change. As you all know, we've suffered a consequence of uh, climate change, a significant number of weather catastrophes around the nation. The U.S. has been hit by a number of extreme weather events in recent weeks, including the devastating fires in California. The president's visit comes just a day after Congress passed the most significant climate change bill in American history, pledging billions of dollars of investment into a range of cleaner energies, including electric vehicles, wind, and solar output. The bill comes as China announced it was suspending talks with the U.S. on climate change following Beijing's anger at House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. And the U.S. isn't the only country feeling the effects of extreme weather. At least seven people have died in South Korea after a record overnight rainfall hammered the capital of Seoul, turning streets into rivers, submerging cars, and inundating metro stations. South Korea is no stranger to heavy rainfall in the summer, but meteorologists say that the climate emergency has caused a sharp increase in the sheer amount and frequency of the torrential rains. President Uhuru Kenyatta arriving at the polling station in his hometown of Gutundu, 
to cast his vote. Along with 56 million other Kenyans voting in a national election. The chief frontrunners are the 77-year-old Rilo Odinga, a former prime minister, and William Rutu, the current deputy president. Both men say they're confident of victory, but the race is a close one and could go to a runoff for the first time. Charlie Mitchell is the Times East Africa correspondent. He gave us the view from the ground. There has been terrible, terrible post-election violence in Kenya in the past, particularly in 2007 when 1,200 people died. But this time around, everything is looking so far pretty good, pretty peaceful. And there's a real sort of jubilant atmosphere where I am because everyone expects Waila Odinga, who's contesting his fifth presidential election, to finally get his hands on the, uh, on the top job. <laughs> Uhuru Kenyatta showing his support for longtime rival Odinga with the backing of his powerful Jubilee party. The endorsement is seen as a pointed rejection of Rutu. These elections are important globally. Kenya is Africa's seventh largest economy and is seen as a beacon of stability in a troubled region. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With the latest on the Formula One team Alpine, here's John Jackson. Formula One team Alpine could seek millions in compensation at the London High Court if their Australian reserve driver Oscar Piastri refuses to race for them next season. Piastri was named as a replacement for double world champion Spaniard Fernando Alonso in their 2023 lineup last week, but the 21-year-old has since ruled it out. McLaren, who are fighting Alpine for fourth in the championship, have reportedly told their driver Daniel Ricciardo he's being dropped for Piastri, who was last year's Formula 2 champion. Alpine team principal Otmar Safnauer said on Monday that going to the high court is over 90% certain. There's been speculation the two teams will ultimately come to an understanding that could see race winner Ricciardo return to Alpine, the Australian's employers before McLaren. The next race in the World Championship will take place in Belgium on August the 28th. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Singer and actor Olivia Newton-John has died of cancer at the age of 73. Her husband said she died peacefully at her ranch in Southern California, surrounded by friends and family. Her Greece co-star John Travolta says, Olivia Newton-John made all of our lives so much better and that our impact was incredible. Robert Greenwald directed Dame Olivia in Xanadu and paid tribute to the star on Times Radio. She was one of those people, maybe it's a little bit of a cliche, but like many cliches based in an accuracy, she lit up a room. Her smile, her sense of connectedness to life was very, very strong. And finally, a message in a bottle from 85 years ago has been uncovered from a war memorial in New Zealand. Officials in Christchurch say that while they were demolishing the monument, a crew found a message from the original stonemason team naming each member in the letter dated February 1937. The team found the message when they cracked the concrete in exactly the right spot to reveal the glass bottle. The Citizens' War Memorial was deconstructed by a mason team to transport it to its new home in Cathedral Square. Officials now plan to include a photo of the original note in a time capsule to be buried at the memorial's new site. 
And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Thursday, 9th of August. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.